All right, so welcome into week two of the Backroads Podcast, otherwise known as the Backroads Podcast uh, scoreboard show for six man, for everybody who loves six man from region one to region four. I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network, PressPassSports.com. On the other side is Miss Bobby Brown of Texas 1A fan. And uh, so excited to bring everything to you. A lot of things went on this, uh, this weekend as far as six man action goes. We had upsets, we had some big time wins, but uh, let's get this the show rolling Bobby just right out of the bat I want to bring in a coach who I really like I I love how he utilizes social media out there and he's always gracious with anywhere he goes I just love this guy as a coach and that's coach Jeff Jones over at Garden City coach welcome in hey thanks for having me guys good to be here so let me ask you you guys get a victory Friday night over O'Donnell 48 to nothing Talk about your team's performance in that one, and especially Sebastian. We'll see if I get this right. Balcazar and his uh, performance in running the ball. It was a good bounce back. You know, um, we had a kind of a rough go the first week uh, against a really good team, but and I was kind of interested to see just how our boys would bounce back. You know, O'Donnell showed up with a brand new offense and defense, and and uh, so that was good for us to see to be able to uh, do some in-game adjustments and see if our young guys could do it. As far as Sebastian goes. You know, we knew coming in he was going to be able to to handle a, a good heavy running load because uh, he just he had a real good summer, got really strong, and had a great track season last year. So his confidence is up there. And Sebastian, he he runs hard. He he gets out in the open. He's hard to catch. And uh, you know the the line did a great job of uh, opening up some holes for him. So I was really happy with him. I, I you know I think uh, I think he's got a, a good future this year. Uh, he needs to stay healthy. Last year, he was kind of banged up with an ankle, but that's a, another way he's he's playing with a chip on his shoulders because he's coming back from an injury from last year and just didn't end up the way he wanted it to last year. He was, he was on his way to get 1,000 yards last year, but, uh, you know, just that ankle injury got him, and uh, this year he's got off to a promise to start. So the Bearcats have started out very promising this year. I know last year was a tough season for you. Didn't get a whole lot of victories out of it, but – what have you seen the difference between last year's team and this year's team? Uh, just the experience level and the confidence that they play with now. Um, you know, last year we, we won six games, still won a playoff game. So uh, that was good to see with it as, as inexperienced as we were with just a, a bunch of sophomores having a start. And, uh, you know, even the seniors we had last year, were, there was just not very much varsity experience. So uh, it's just been fun to watch them come a long way and, you know, this year, like I said, we kind of hit the ground running and uh, we can get a lot, uh, a lot more complex with our game plans and, and uh, our schemes. You know, it's been it's been fun so far. So, uh, you know, but our, we got a tough schedule ahead of us. And uh, I think that's going to you know pay off in the long run. I know that you're a, a program builder there at Garden City with Bearcats. How much did that play into the experience level and the updated play from last year. I, I appreciate those words. I'm, I don't know if I'm a program builder. Well, I think you map. are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, Garden City was on the map before I got there, and there's a lot of pride and tradition there. So these kids grew up in it, and uh, it's just part of part of what makes them the Bearcats. So, uh, you know, it's pretty easy as far as that goes because uh, – that stuff is very hard to teach, and and uh, they just they grew up with it. So 
that's helped a lot. You know, they just uh, they don't want to be the Garden City team that doesn't make the playoffs or has a losing record or, you know, just things like that. There's a lot of pride there, you know. But like I said, uh, just the experience they got last year is, is going to pay off this year and um, mainly just how fast the game moves and, and things like that. But we all have fun with it. I'm pretty close to this this group of kids. You know, they were fifth and sixth graders when I first got here. We had them out in PE. And, you know, you just – you could tell there was something special about them. And, you know, now that it's their chance, it's finally here. And, and I think they're going to try to make the most of it. Talk about your experience as a coach. You said you've been there since those kids were in fifth and sixth grade. And, you know, so many coaches want to be 11 man and, and go as high as that will take them. But to me, special coaches are guys who stay at that six man level because they just have a passion for it. What, what is it that drives you to coach six man football? Hi, uh, that's, that's kind of a fun story. You know, I grew up in an 11 man, you know, rank, I grew up in ranking. We were 11 man and then I, I'd always coached 11 man. I went to Hart, Crane. Um, I got the job in Marfa as the head football coach and AD there, and, and we were 11 men the first two years. And six men is one of those things that's always interested me. When I was in high school in our open weeks, I didn't go watch future opponents. Me and a couple of buddies would always go watch a six-man game. You know, we'd go catch. Uh, it's crazy. Midland Christian and Cristobal was my – we went and watched that game, and those are now both really big schools <laughs> compared to what they were. But so six men has always interested me, and – and when Marfa, when that uh, the numbers, the enrollment started dropping, and, and that was that, you know, I could see we're about to have 14 kids. We're having to go play in the district, RM, McKamey, Van Horn, and all those guys, and, and Wink. I mean, it, it was going to, it was a tough decision to come to. And, you know, the school board asked me, you know, if we make this change, will you stay here? Because I think that was one thing they were worried that, you know, just all the coaches would leave. But me and uh, actually Coach Stephen Hayes, who yeah, I'm about to, you know, have to match wits with this week because he's at Water Valley. He was there with me at Marfa, and uh, we were able to to get going. He moved that summer, so I never really got to use him during the season, but at least he helped out get, get some of the uh, – to teach us up, us coaches, a little bit on the six-man game. And I knew a bunch of coaches. Vance Jones and my dad were good buddies. Toby Goodwin's been like my best friends since I was a little kid. It was one of those I had. I had a I had a bunch of friends in the six man game, so I could call them and get to learn. And it's just been so much fun. Just this game is a blast. You know, my my own children love it. So you know, I I fall in love with six man. As long as I have a choice, I'm going to stay in the six man game. I want to follow up on that real quick because you know you talked about Marfa moving from eleven man to six man, and so many teams we see it when the community finally has to vote and they go to six man, they act like the world has ended. What is it about six? To me, sometimes six-man communities are, are more together than anybody else. Do you see that same thing? Yeah, I, I do, especially, you know, uh, in Garden City, of course. But uh, Marfa, they rallied around it. You know, we sold it to them. When the, when the head coach and athletic director is on board and ready to make the change, I think it makes it a lot easier. Um, some schools will, will go to the six-man and their coaches will leave. Will leave. And uh, that kind of, kind of, you know, sets a bad example of what, you know, I think it, it gives a lot of negativity toward it. So, you know, I was going to stay there and make sure we were all bought in and this was the game we were going to play and this is the game we were going to be in. And I, I feel bad for those. There's a bunch of schools out there that, that I think would be pretty good six-man schools that are just have dwindling enrollment and they're struggling. And, you know, I don't know what it is. You know, I just – I don't understand. I guess they need to go get educated and watch some six-man games because – 
I can see the first time you watch it, and if you just show up and watch a spread team, it looks like, hey, it's backyard football. They're giving the, the guy the best athlete the ball, and he's just doing – he's just running around, and he'll throw it every once in a while, and he'll run it every once in a while. And it does look kind of backyardish, but if you sit there and you go watch a good tight team that can go back and forth from tight to spread and start understanding the schemes of everything, it makes it a lot more enjoyable, and you, you get to respect it a lot more. But, yeah, it's still blocking and tackling. You can say that till you're blue in the face, but until they start really understanding what you're trying to do out there and how fun it is for the kids who probably wouldn't have a program if they if we only had 11 men, you know, we just probably wouldn't. We'd have some teams that could not fill the team year in and year out. So, uh, you know, there, there's a bad stigma there, and I, I do my best. I have a bunch of buddies that are coached 11 men. I tell them, look, before you retire, you need to give it one year and because it, it's going to be fun for you. You already mentioned it a little bit. Week three, Water Valley. How do you see that going? It's going to be a tough game. I mean, um, I believe they're in the top ten on a few polls. Uh, I knew they were going to be good because they were. They had a great year last year and had almost everybody returning. So they're going to be good from what little I've seen of them. You know, we were able to go watch them at, in Sterling City in the scrimmage. Coach, both coaches are, are smart, smart coaches. and put them in great uh, situations great positions to, to win football games. Uh, Water Valley has been a very proud uh, program. You know, they have had a couple of down years before the Hazes got there. And and even I think Nathan's first year, you know, they, they struggled a little bit, but Water Valley doesn't stay down. And they're, 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 uh, they're looking pretty good this year. And um, I'm excited for it because I think it's going to show us where we are as a program, as a football team and another region. I know they're region four, which is kind of weird since they're, they're only 40 miles from us, but, you know, I think it's a good measuring stick of where both programs are going to be, and I think uh, I think both programs are going to get a lot out of this game. Region 2 seems to be one of the toughest regions, if not the toughest region out there. Talk about the competition and how much your team has to be ready night after night uh, to compete there in Region 2. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's tough. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those that, that you take a lot of pride in it, though. The kids know it. If you can get out of this region, you got a good shot at getting a ring uh, or even going to play in at AT&T. And they, you just – it's a meat grinder. Um, but I think all the teams in this region take a lot of pride into being in Region 2. And, uh, you know, they're like, dang, if we're just in another region, there's not really a lot of that. I mean, you kind of wish that sometimes, but there's a, there's, there's a, lot, of, a lot of great things about being in Region 2 and – and playing the teams like the Sterling Cities, the Rankins, the Westbrooks, you know, even Ira's in there now, and, and Borden County used to be, and, and you got Water Valley still, and in my first year, Kroll was in it. I mean, uh, the list goes on and on, and it's a lot of fun because you know that uh, you know you're going to show up for a battle. If you if you're lucky enough to get out and get out into that semifinal round, you know you earned it. And then it's, it's fun when, when somebody else makes it out and, you know, you played them pretty close. You're like, this could have been us if, if the ball would have bounced a little bit different or, you know, that dumb Coach Jones would have caught a different play there and, and would have scored <laughs> or something. But, uh, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great. I, I love reaching two, and I root for those teams. I really do. You know, sometimes when they're playing us, of course I'm not. But, you know, I, I, I like seeing region two do well. Yeah, there's been several times we've called Region 2 the region of death. <laughs> Not only in football, but in track as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
I wouldn't mind being back in Region 2 and track. We're in Region 1 up here with Paducah and Spur and all those guys. And, well, heck, our district, Sands, Borden County, Klondike, it's uh, it's brutal wherever we go. And I'm, I'm hoping one day we'll we'll be the one team that gets uh, – everybody else stays in one region. We, we're the one that gets to move somewhere. But, you know, that probably won't happen. But um, it just goes to show you how – how great these kids are in this area and region and, and how good the coaches are in this area and region. Like I said, it's uh, it's a source of pride for everybody being in it. And just every once in a while, you just wish you were in a little bit easier place, but you know, are you going to be as good if you if you are, you know? Very good question. Well, coach Jones, we really do appreciate you taking time out on a three day Labor Day weekend to, uh, uh, chat with us, uh, not only about the Bearcats and six-man football, but your upcoming opponent, Water Valley. Good luck this week, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you later on down the road. Good. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for everything you're doing for the kids in 1A, so we appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Bobby, it sure was great to have uh, Coach Jones on with us, taking time out during the Labor Day weekend as uh, we're all trying to sit back now. I don't know why they necessarily call it Labor Day because – I think we all end up working more on this three days than what it's actually meant for to be, and that is uh, relaxing. But uh, you know, he talked about Region Two and the Region of Doom, and let's, that's where we're going to kick it off at. When you speak of Region Two, obviously the number one ranked Sterling City Eagles is a team that uh, people are going to talk about, the defending state champions, and probably the game of the week: number one versus number two, Sterling City in May, and uh, Coach Steele and his Tigers come out on top in that one. 104 to 80. I know Coach Steele had talked to us about Blake Harrell. What a game he had. 15 of 18, 344 and seven touchdowns. We all know about Caden Hawk. Yeah, eight receptions, 170 yards and four touchdowns. Casey King, five receptions, 103 yards and two touchdowns. Avery Williford, three receptions, 101 yards, two touchdowns. Oh, and they did run the ball. He had 55 yards rushing and two touchdowns as well. You know, we talked about May and, and potentially coming out on that side of the bracket. And I think after this game, they didn't give anybody any reason not to think that could be the team on that side of the bracket. I totally agree. And I, I knew that would be a hard fought battle. I didn't really think that it would be that high of a score, but it, it definitely ended up that way. Uh, I was not a, at that game. I wish, kind of wish I was now. But I got home early enough to listen to most of it. Yeah, I think it was a radio station that was broadcasting them. But um, it, it was an exciting game. It was back and forth, back and forth. And it, it sounded like um, both teams really went at it. So, you know, if they're going to do that in week two, can you imagine what's going to happen in the playoffs? Oh, my goodness. It, it... That would be incredible. Like I say, I, I think May ends up on the other side of that bracket. I know there's other teams out there. We'll get to Water Valley lady, later. That might be a team that's out there. Uh, but uh, I do think May is going to be a strong opponent for, for coming through there. And, you know, we talk about Region 2. Well, let's move down to the next game, and that's number three versus number 10. Rankin versus Spring Lake Earth. This is a game you were at. Rankin pulls out in this one 46-30. to 30. And what you have called, said multiple times, and I think Coach DeLeon agreed with you, it's a flat-out war for four quarters. It was. It was a war. Not one single player on either team let up one iota. They went after it. Defense was insane. I know that Spring Lake Earth stopped 
Rankin at the goal line several times, or that game would have would have gotten away from him. Uh, what happened was both teams were really good on defense. Uh, Spring Lake Earth had a few turnovers uh, during the game. I think they had seven turnovers, but you know what? They're going to clean that up, uh, knowing that this is just their second year in six-man football, taking nothing away from Rankin's defense because uh, David Bunger, oh, my goodness. He is like the Energizer Bunny. I don't think he gets tired, and he doesn't back down one inch, and he went after him, as did Braxton Kirkland. You know, these are, these are names that we're going to hear a lot from Rankin. They're really good on defense, and their offense uh, pushed it into high gear over week one when I watched them against Balmeray. Um, they looked a little bit more organized. And so they took it at Spring Lake Earth, but, but make no doubt about it. Um, one thing I realized by watching Keyshawn Holmes and Braxton Etheridge. Two Braxtons, different last names. Yeah, they spell their first names differently, too. Those two, when they figure out that they can pretty much score at will, it's going to be scary for somebody. I think they'll probably figure that out by the playoffs. And I say that because I watched Keyshawn drag five Red Devils at least five yards several times. And, I mean, he is just a beast. But he's like the gentle giant. Holmes <laughs> is one of those guys that we don't see someone typically of that size at the six-man level Um just a just a big kid, but he's athletic, and I think that's what gets lost in all that. I mean, you talked about him. He had six carries for 39 yards and a touchdown. You talked about Etheridge, 6 of 11, 73 yards and a touchdown, uh, 5 of 28 rushing plus a scoop and score. I think Spring Lake Earth is, is right now, you've got to say, they are the favorites to come out of Region 1 um, and playing a ranking team who's ranked number three sitting there in Region 2. Uh, a loss to them is nothing to be ashamed of. And I, I think this is uh, two teams we'll see uh, further down the road. Oh, I totally agree. Come November, we're going to see them several times. I did want to mention Evan DeLeon. He's the coach's son. Uh, and most of the six-man and 1A community knows him for his basketball prowess because he's extremely good at basketball. But you know what? He leads that team very well. At the quarterback position, I have to give him a little shout out because he did a really good job. I have a hard time picking out players because sometimes there are teams that work so well together that it's hard to say, oh, this kid did this or this or this. Um, that's one thing about Spring Lake Earth is they have a lot of kids and they have good team chemistry. I think I mentioned that last week but they just work really well together. So Spring Lake Earth falls in that one, 46 to 30. Let's move on down here and, you know, a score that, I don't know, it, it surprised me. A loss didn't surprise me, but the way it was done. Westbrook, number five in Division One over number four, Borden County. They defeat the Cowboys 48 to nothing. You know six men as well as anybody, and I didn't get a chance to research this, but when is the last time Borden County's been 45 two straight games? I don't even know that we could go back that far. <laughs> exactly. Uh, 
I, I don't know. I do know that we talked about this last week. They're very young and inexperienced. They lost a lot of starters to graduation. I did talk to the Borden County coaches while I was at Borden County watching Rankin Springling. They're giving these kids as much experience as they can. And there are some definite highs, but there's also some lows. If I know anything about Borden County, they're, they're going to get there. It's just going to take a little bit. Bubba Edwards told me this, and I totally agreed with it. When you understand the fundamentals of football and exactly what you're supposed to do, that is a building block. But actually putting that into experience is a totally different thing. Yes, they have the building blocks of football. They have the fundamentals. They know exactly what they're supposed to do. But putting that all together um, is going to take just a little bit. And unfortunately for the Coyotes, they have a brutal schedule. The first five games are just ridiculously tough. We'll see how they respond to that. I don't know about you, Craig, but when you watch teams that are young, but they do have the fundamentals and they're part of a program, that usually happens like a light switch going on. That that it does. And, and I would never count out Trey Ritchie and his his staff there, he and Bubba and, and that group there. And on the other side of that, well, Westbrook sure is playing extremely well. That gives you three teams ranked in the top five in Region 2 in Sterling City ranking Westbrook. It's going to be a bloody battle over there. It, it really is. Wow. I, I can't wait to see how this plays out because it, it, it is going to be a battle and we're going to see some really, really good games. Right. Well, and we, we talked about Water Valley and Region 4, but, you know, a team that's sitting over the rank sixth in the state, uh, Coach Gallegos is Jonesboro Eagles. I promise you they're going, yeah, go ahead. Keep talking about everybody else. Forget about us. They take out Perrin Witt 47 to nothing. Uh, so Jonesboro doing what the Eagles do seems like year after year. Uh, not a team that you can forget when we get to the playoffs. No, definitely not. They, they pretty much have, have run the East. They're always a contender. And I look to them this year as well. And then uh, out of Region 3, the seventh-ranked Blum Bobcats. Now, this surprised me a little bit. They fell to Waco Live Oak 52 to nothing. Waco Live Oak, a private school. Uh, yeah, that, that really surprised me. But, you know, Coach Thornhill had said that Waco Live Oak is pretty tough. And I've heard several coaches say that. You know, we've got somebody over there in the private sector, not 1A that is really stirring things up with the 1A six-man teams. On to uh, Region 4 again, the eighth-ranked Lakey Eagles. Now, another one we talked about, I think the rankings are going to kind of change up after this week. They fall to Eden 50-45 to 45 in what was definitely, I think, a big upset. Definitely was. Coach Avance has those Bulldogs working over there in Eden. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was a little shocked at that score because I know Lakey has a ton of seniors on that team. I don't, I don't really know exactly what happened in that game. I wasn't able to talk to anyone. I think that's a big win for the Eden Bulldogs, and maybe they'll use that springboard to other wins here in the next few weeks. Definitely. Uh, number nine ranked Abbott, the Panthers, and Coach Crawford there. They take out Milford 48 to nothing. Robert Munoz. Eight carries, 136 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, Abbott had two pick sixes in this ballgame, held Milford 
to 66 total yards offense. The Panthers have got things going on once again this year. And they will every single year. Coach Crawford over there does an outstanding job. And again, we talked about building a program. He has definitely built a pro program over there. And the Panthers are contenders anytime they hit the field. That will drop on down to Division Two and start at the uh, very top, the number one ranked Motley County Matadors. Coach Bigham has his team uh, running on all cylinders right now. They take out Knox City, a young Knox City Greyhound team, 68-22. to 22. Motley County is going to do that a lot this season. They're going to jump up and shock people. I don't think that it's a shock factor anymore because we know they have a whole lot of seniors and that they are very successful or have been their entire careers in Motley County. Yeah, they are. And so many people hear about Jake Richards, but there's way much there than just Jake Richards. And he's a great football player. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it is a really strong group that Coach Bigham has there. The game I've been looking forward to talking about, the number two ranked Strawn Greyhounds, uh, they get a victory uh, over a private school, 88-47. to 47. I want to talk less about the game and the fact that they were playing, and you had to do your homework, Bobby. Smoking for Jesus Ministry. Tell us all about this school. Oh, they actually have a really cool story. If you go to their website, they have a video that tells the story, and I probably cannot do it justice, but I'm just going to give a little overview. Yes, they're called Smoking for Jesus Ministry. They started in New Orleans in 1996. The leader of the ministry said they were named for being red hot on fire for the Lord, and they also had a restaurant that served Cajun food. Of course, it's New Orleans. <laughs> Well, in 2005, Katrina started barreling toward them, so they left. They traveled 12 hours. Not that it takes 12 hours to get to Lumberton, which is where they were going, but the traffic was so backed up trying to get away from Katrina. Um, but they landed at the Christian Retreat Center in Lumberton, Texas, and they were expecting to stay for, you know, a few days and then go back to their homes in New Orleans. Of course, we all know that that didn't help. That didn't work out for them. So the severity of the storm and all that whole mess Katrina created kept them in Texas. Well, they stayed there for three weeks. And guess what? Here comes Rita. <laughs> Hurricane Rita. They left again. They didn't wait. They left and they found themselves in Marble Falls. They opened a restaurant serving New Orleans style food. The group really just loves Marble Falls. They, they think it's so peaceful and they feel like they fit right in. They have a school and they play football. Um, I know that lots of people on Twitter this week was wondering what was smoking for Jesus. Well, again, red hot on fire for the Lord. And of course, you can't forget the Cajun food restaurant. Most definitely. And uh, speaking of uh, red hot, that's exactly what the strong greyhounds are. And, uh, you know, they win that ball game 88 to 47, but just love hearing the story about smoking for Jesus ministry. Yep, And there it is. And that's very interesting. I thought that was just a really good story. So coach Lee's got the greyhounds right where you uh, imagine they would be the third ranked Richland Springs Cows. 
Well, it's tough for me to say today, Bobby. You know, it's tough for me to say that all the time. I can't get that out. I don't know why my tongue just doesn't form those words very well. Oh, my goodness. They were supposed to play the Austin Rolls. That game got canceled, as well as the fourth-ranked Calvert Trojans. And uh, they were playing Houston Emory Weiner. That game got canceled as well. Uh, the fifth-ranked Balmoray Bears and Coach Jones, red hot. Uh, they took on the Van Horn Eagles out of Division One, and they won that ball game 80-41. to one thing that's interesting about that, I learned that Van Horn played with six players. Wow. There were there were no substitutes from the sideline. As a matter of fact, one fan actually wrote to us because she was so impressed with the play of the Van Horn Eagles and also just the game in general. So I'm going to go ahead and read what she wrote. Definitely. She wrote, what I witnessed from the stands was nothing short of amazing. The six Van Horn Eagles, one freshman, three sophomores, and two seniors, hammered away play after play after play with no relief from the sidelines for all four quarters. At the end of the fourth quarter, the score was tied 12-12. At halftime, the Eagles were down by two scores. As Balmeray's lead increased in the third quarter, the Van Horn Eagles decided they would not be forced out of a game by a 45 mercy rule. After receiving the 1A Van Tougher Than Tough Award last week, the Eagle quarterback, Jermaine Corrales, continued to lead his teammates through four full quarters of the grittiest football I'd ever seen. These young learned a valuable lesson through football last night. Even though you might be down, it's up to you to be counted out. These boys decided they would not be counted out and chose no mercy. That's just awesome to hear. And, and I love when people look beyond just the game and they see what's going on out there not just a bunch of plays and what have you, but they see the spirit and the heart of these young men, uh, especially at this younger level. I, that's to me is one of the things that it drives a passion with six men. So many of these kids, they have a, so many things going on besides a football field that I don't think we take enough pride and, and appreciate just how much they all put into their community. I agree. Some of these kids are just so incredibly busy giving up their time to their community, volunteering for different things. Friday night is Friday night. You go play football Friday night, but the rest of the week you're going to do something else, you know, schoolwork, whatever may come up. But you're right, they do um, help with their community a lot. They do. So that, that was fantastic to hear. Moving on down to number six, Follett. They took on Coach Rucker and his White Deer Bucks, and Coach Copley comes out victorious in this one, 50 to 14. White Deer, uh, one of those teams expected to do well in uh, Region 1 and Division 1. But uh, Follett, with, led by Shane Franks there, take out the Bucks 50-14. to 14. Also, uh, taking a look, at, and we're up here in the Texas Panhandle, so let, let's continue on. Number 7, Groom. Uh, the Tigers rally back and defeat Paducah 34-33. to 33. Groom was bit down big time in this ballgame, uh, but they come back and win it late there. Stephen Keeler, we talked about him last week, another good game. Uh, 15 carries, 106 yards, and a touchdown. 88 yards passing and a touchdown. He had six tackles. Kale, and I'm going to mess this last name up because I don't think I'm saying it right, but Kale Ruthert, 
three receptions, 42 yards and a touchdown. And then Stephen Keeler's brother, Damon Keeler, uh, who's just like a little water bug out there, uh, eight tackles in the ball game and, and just kind of does a little bit of everything for Coach Dodson. So the Tigers rally to take down the Dragons in that one, 34 to 33. That game was a little surprising to me. I, I was watching the score while I was at the game I was covering in. Wow. Um, I bet that game got really loud because I know the Paducah fans get really loud in their gym. Uh, you know, I grew up with Paducah being in our, in our district here, there in Jayton. Uh, those people could sure yell and get loud. I'm kind of envious that I wasn't there to listen to that. I would imagine it was a, a good one. Like I say, groom rallies in that one. Uh, number eight, the Cougars from Klondike take out Midland TLC. We all need a little TLC, right? 15, right. I think, uh, Klondike led by Edgar Gonzalez. Four carries, 81 yards, and two touchdowns. We'll see if I get this name right. Joshua Arizmendez, uh, four carries, 61 yards, and two touchdowns. Steven Arizmendez, two receptions for 39 yards and two touchdowns, plus he had seven tackles on the night. Klondike ranked number eight under coach DeGraffenreed, really playing well this season. They really are, and everyone would think that Josh and Stephen are brothers, but they're actually cousins. They actually look exactly alike. <laughs> uh, I had asked if they were twins. No, they're not twins. They're not even brothers. They are cousins, uh, but they both play very well for the Cougars. Also, uh, another player worth noting is number nine, Tucker Thixton. He is a senior guard and linebacker. So he does the yeoman's work on the inside and does a good job there. I talked to Coach DeGrappenry. He said that they're currently 2-0 with high hopes. Uh, his schedule hopefully prepares them to try and repeat as district champs and make a run in the playoffs. He believes they're a really balanced team in the sense that they can both throw and run the ball. His kids are very smart, and they also have a, a desire to be very successful. He also tacked on to that. Of course, everybody wants this. If they get back-to-back -back district champions this year, that will be a Klondike school history. Wow. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. No, most definitely. The Cougars uh, looking really good as one of the favorites out of Region 1 in Division 2. The ninth-ranked Jayton Jaybirds. Do you know who that is, Bobby? I've never heard nah. of that. Nah, I yeah. They take out Aspermont 45 to nothing. Poor Aspermont. They get Follett, then they get Jayton. They're like, really? I, who else is coming up on the schedule? Uh, but the Jaybirds win that one uh, via the Mercy Rule 45 to nothing. And number 10, Anton, uh, looking good. They take out Southland 50 to nothing. I was at that game as well. It should have been over by halftime but they went a few minutes into the third quarter to get that one a mercy rule. I will tell you that Anton has some really good players, very good players. And again, they play very, there's another team that I enjoy watching because they play very well together. Uh, Sergio Champion, isn't that a cool last name to have? You can always say that you're a champion. Yes, exactly, exactly. And it's, it's the truth. It's not just, he's a number three senior QB. He won the Texas 1A fan helmet sticker. He was all over the field. And I didn't know this until after the game, but it was his birthday. What so, a great way to have your birthday, right? Happy birthday. Go play a game, win, and go home victorious and celebrate your birthday. With like the that. Texas 1A fan sticker. 
there you go. Put it on the helmet. Exactly. So that's a look at the top 10, both in division one and division two. Now let's kind of go throughout the state and, uh, We'll start in the kind of sort of division one, you know, we're in a non-conference. So there's so much of division one playing division two, region one versus two, three, four, however that works. So we'll kind of work it that way. And, and we'll start here in region one, a big game, uh, the happy Cowboys during homecoming, take out the Nazareth Swifts coach Goodwin there 55 to eight for the Swifts, Trent Gerber, seven to 17 passing 109 yards uh, and a touchdown, a 63 yarder to Kale Rogers for the Cowboys. Cutter Hodges, a sophomore, fills in for Pace Bressler, who was injured in this ball game, and the uh, Cowboys senior. 14 carries, 188 yards, and four touchdowns. Camden Spirit, 10 of 14, 211 through the air, and four touchdowns. Kyton Johnson, the big tight end. Seven receptions, 164 yards, and three touchdowns. And then Jimmy Reyes steps up and plays a linebacker position for Coach Perryman and does a great job. 11 tackles and interception in that game. This game was only 13 to 8 at halftime. And then Happy outscored Nazareth 42 to nothing to finally invoke the mercy rule in the fourth quarter. So you look at the score and you think, oh, Nazareth got hammered in this one, 55 to eight, but it was 13 to eight at halftime. So I have to ask, because this is my go-to question when that happens in a game, was there some type of come to Jesus meeting at halftime? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I interviewed Coach Perryman after the game and I said, so that was a heck of a Newt Rockney speech you gave. <laughs> And uh, he said, no, it really wasn't him. You know, I, I talked to one of their leaders, T.S. Bo, and uh, they just talked about going around the room. And, you know, Pace was a big loss for them. That's one of their better players, a senior. And, and I think everybody was just trying to figure out, okay, what's my role now? You know, where do I step in at? And I, I think as players, they kind of had that come to Jesus meeting and said, okay, here's what we got to do. Let's go take care of business. And it definitely showed there in the second half. Yeah, you know what, that's that's even better that it happened that way because when players decide, all kinds of wonderful things happen. That they do. Uh, elsewhere there in Region 1, a Valley takes out Petersburg 56-32. to McLean over Miami 38-6. to Claude picks up a victory, their first one of the season, over uh, LaForce 77-32. Uh, Guthrie over Lorenzo 19-12. Whitherall in a close, tight one. A high-scoring game there with the Crest Kangaroos, and they win that one 68-64. And then Benjamin with a big win over uh, Coach Parsley and the Coral Wildcats, 54-46. to Brody White had a heck of a game, 11 of 18, 183 yards and four touchdowns, six carries, 164 yards and three touchdowns. He made popcorn at halftime, sold drinks, sold the, pop, uh, sold the uh, programs before the game, and also went out and had eight-and-a-half tackles. Uh, Dal Everson, 13 carries, 87 yards, and then four of 48 receiving and a touchdown. And John Wolfworth, four of 84 receiving and a touchdown as well. Benjamin with a big win over the Wildcats. Coach Waters was very excited about that. Uh, he indicated that the game against Kroll did more for the Mustangs than what most people realize. I love what he said to me. He said, a lot of the game is played between your ears and what you believe about your ability to play. Beating Kroll was the mental win that the Mustangs needed to go forward and continue to grow as a team. I thought that was very um, appropriate. I would have loved to have been at that game. Um, Sixmanfootball.com was at that game and was tweeting out the scores, and he was very excited. I think he probably picked a really good one to go to in week two. That he did. So the Mustangs take out the Wildcats 54 to 46. The Spur Bulldogs, they are, they've got things rolling there. They take out the Meta Broncos 
65 to 20. Corey Hamilton back in this ball game, and you talked about his speed. Eight carries, 184 yards, and four touchdowns. And Lazane Walker says, "Don't forget about me." Seven carries, 127 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, Spur looks really good here in Region One. Yes, they've got the one-two punch with Lazan and and Corey. Lazan, I've been saying it Lazane, wrong. It's Lazan. I don't. You know what? I always have to ask <laughs> because I want to say Lazane, and then I think it's Lazan. Okay. But I mean, there's so many different ways to say it. And I'm sure someone will text me and correct me as soon as they hear this. And I would be happy because I've been told that so many times and it just kind of goes over my head. I, I don't know why I can't grasp that. <laughs> I'm having a hard time. But uh, Coach Clark was very happy with his Bulldogs. He said they found some depth from last year and he's been able to, uh, they've been able to overcome the starting quarterback being out. You know, they didn't have the Bateman kid during that game. Kids stepped up to fit roles and did really good job of it. He also agreed it's it helps to have Hamilton back running, running the ball with Lazane, Lajon, Lazane. <laughs> uh, now we've I'm got just, you all confused, Bobby. You know what? Uh, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> he did go on to say our schedule is still tough and they've got a bunch of good teams to get through before they go to the district championship. They hope Motley County is going to be very tough next week for Spur. Uh, I think that's going to be a true test of where Spur is their development this year. All right. Uh, taking a look at some more scores out there. Uh, of course, we talked about uh, Coach Jones. We talked to him early in the uh, program. They take out O'Donnell 48 to nothing. Whiteface over Wilson 56 to nothing as well. Uh, Coach Kitley gets another victory. The Bobcats over the Vernon Northside Indians 54 to 6. Loop on top of Wellman Union 48 to nothing. Uh, kind of going through here a tight game. Rochelle, the Hornets take out Lubbock Kingdom Prep out of the private schools 64 to 63. So that a big victory there. Uh, we saw several of the things like this. Loop JV and Dawson played. That game was called due to lightning. And a couple of games, I think, were called uh, because of the weather as it me- moved through the uh, state of Texas. And then let's look at Lorraine and Grady. Lorraine wins this one 68-22. to On the losing side for the Wildcats, Logan Aaron, 17 carries, 152 yards, and two touchdowns. Also had nine tackles. And then Cooper Wallen, another nine tackles as well. For Lorraine, Davion Waffle, 14 carries, 212 yards, and five touchdowns. And A.J. Williams, 17 carries, 97 yards, and four touchdowns as well. And Wrangler Little, got to love that name, Wrangler Little and Damian Delgado had nine tackles each. So the Bulldogs take out the Wildcats in that one. Yes, Wrangler. And and let us not forget, oh, Bubba Digby over in Hermely. He did a, he did a yeoman's work, too. They had their game canceled at the last minute, and Coach Sammy Winters wrangled up, since we're going to use cool words like that, (laughs) (laughs) wrangled up a game against Avalon, and they went and played in Iredale, and they came out on top in that game. I believe that our favorite name so far this year, Bubba Digby, has had 17 touchdowns in two games. That's amazing. It is amazing. I'm anxious to see if he can keep that up. That, that is an incredible pace there for the Cardinals. Yeah, you talked about it, Digby. 17 carries, 264 yards, five touchdowns, six of 13 through the air, 190 and four touchdown, touchdowns as well. Zane Knocklinger, two receptions, 94 yards and two touchdowns. And Coulter Smith, two receptions, 
61 yards and two touchdowns as well. So the Cardinals uh, and Coach Winters doing a good job there, winning that one, 71 to 26. Uh, looking on through here in a couple of other games that we want to get to, Fannindale takes out Campbell 39 to 32. And you sent me the stats on that one. So let me pull those up here. And uh, while you're pulling those up, let me tell you what Coach Wayne Ware said. They had been missing their quarterback, Kazen Dugan. But this year, he or this week, he was back and he was huge for their offense. They finally got one of the three back on the field, um, unfortunately, due to COVID. He says that Kiamonte Cuba played great defense, and he believes that he'll only get better as a player. He also indicated his offense is a little behind and the rhythm isn't quite there, but he believes that they'll pull it together because their, their schedule is getting a little bit ch- tougher. They're going to face Leverage Chapel and Abilene Christian coming up in the next two weeks. All right. And then for Fannindale, uh, Garrett Roberts, 8 of 18, 145 yards uh, in that ball game. And from the rushing side, Caden Mitchell, 19 carries, 121 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, Roberts, we talked about him, three rushes, 62 yards and three touchdowns there for Fannindale. And then you mentioned Leverage Chapel and you know, we thought we were going to get rid of this, but both Leverage Chapel and Fruitvale had their games canceled due to COVID. Hopefully, Bobby, we can get all that behind us as we move forward. Lomita is another team that had their game canceled because of COVID. Hopefully we can get all that behind us because it just it, it's still that cloud that just won't go away. You're right. And, and maybe it's just me, but I feel like it's worse this year than it was last year. Do you feel like that? I, don't, I know that there were a lot of cancellations last year, but week two, there were many cancellations. There was, uh, based on what I was reading and and looking at some of these teams, East Texas has been hit really hard uh, with COVID. Uh, The one website I looked at, I think it might have been one of the Tyler papers, there was like 11 school districts that had canceled school for one to two weeks. And so East Texas really getting hit hard with it, and and that's what we saw in some of those cancellations. So hopefully we can get all that behind us and uh, move forward because nothing's worse for these kids than to be ready to play and know that they're sitting on the sidelines and there's really nothing they can do about it. That's right. I'd like to talk about that Gordon-Newcastle game. Let's do it. That that was a little surprising. I did have the opportunity to talk to Coach Reed. There's really not players to watch for Gordon, which is not a bad thing. They are really, as Coach Reed describes them, like a pack of wolves. Isn't that interesting? Pack of wolves. And he says they are stronger when they play together and they really are a band of brothers. He said in the Newcastle game, each player had really stellar moments. There wasn't somebody who just leapt out, you know, it was truly a team effort. He said that each kid has elevated their play. One thing that he said that I appreciate very much and I know that these this group of people will too. He said, without the fans and the cheerleaders from Gordon, he doesn't know if they could have won that game because they were so supportive and yelling in the stands that, you know, the players, they hear that. And it motivates them, especially if it's hot and you're tired. You hear that and it kind of gives you that little extra something to get you over that 
hump. He said that they do have some inexperienced kid that were playing because they, they've lost some players to injury and they made adjustments at the half and those younger inexperienced kids, they, they came out and they took care of business. Going with the building of the program thing, once again, he indicated, you know, when you build a program and that's something that every kid knows, then you know it. there's consistent expectations they understand the language that the coach is speaking. So that kind of makes it easier. That, that it does. So uh, Coach, uh, coach Reed there has got the Longhorns playing well, 54 to 50 over Newcastle in that game. Another game that I skipped over and I didn't mean to, Ira, the Bulldogs, and a close one over Buena Vista, another Longhorn there. Coach Goodwin picks up the victory, 46 to 43. His QB went down in the Valley game with a concussion. Um, he should be back after this week. But he was playing with a freshman quarterback in a brand new center in the game against Buena Vista. And he said those two spots are extremely important for the Bulldogs. They did a great job on the shoulders of Cody McAllen, their towback. He was, and he's also safety on defense. He had really good words to say about Holden Rios of the Bulldogs. He says he really is the glue that holds their team together. He is the go-to guy or the coach on the field. And he said, you know, he, he won't have big numbers, um, but he is one player that is extremely important to the team. And, you know, you always got to have a player like that. Got to have that leader, that coach on the field. But the Bulldogs really stepped it up and, and toppled Buena Vista. Coach Goodwin also said he takes his hat off to the Buena Vista players. They played very well. And he said, you know, I, I thought we might be able to put it away, but those Buena Vista kids kept making big plays and they just wouldn't let Ira run away, run away with it. So that was a very, very good matchup. That it was. A couple other scores to take a look at here. Coolidge, the Yellow Jackets pick up a victory over Fort Worth. T-H-E-S-A. I did not spell that out, so I don't know what it is for sure, Bobby. But they win that one 36-32. Uh, uh, a couple other scores out there. The Mountaineers of Santa Ana take out Rising Star 60-8. Three-way with a victory over Lingleville 56-8. Arion County, Jordan Harrison with an early touchdown there. Looked impressive. They take out the Steers from Robert Lee 61-16. to uh, We spoke about Live Oak earlier. Ira Dell took out their JV 30-28 to in a good ball game. And then another one that uh, we brought up earlier in the program, Water Valley, the Wildcats, Blank Blackwell, 51 to nothing. Coach Hayes has a secret out there in Region 4. Nobody wants to know about them, but I have a feeling we're fixing to get a, a, a test of just who they are, and uh, it, it may wake up the whole state. We'll find out as they take on Garden City this coming week. That's going to be a very interesting game. Very interesting game. If I was if I wasn't already set to go somewhere, I'd probably travel down there to go see that because uh, that's a good ways. But but I'd go. One game I did want to talk about that Texas One A broadcast was the game against uh, Blanket versus Gustine. That one, wow! It was a physical game. I know that Dency and Michael really enjoyed that game. It was back and forth for the majority of the game. I did get the opportunity to talk to Coach Mund for Blanket. Their player, really one of the players to watch for the Tigers is Levi Vasquez. He's a junior. 
He said it was a very physical game. They made some mistakes on both sides of the ball, but Coach Mund was very proud of his kids because they fought and they battled with the Gustine Tigers. And he was very happy with the win. Um, He did say that Levi Vasquez played a great game with three interceptions and three rushing touchdowns. And also Braden Day stepped up when they needed someone. He scored the go-ahead touchdown late in the fourth to lift blanket over Gustine, 62 to 15. Uh, That's great to see. You talked about Vasquez, eight carries, 96 yards, three touchdowns, 11 tackles, three interceptions, including one of those for a pick six. Uh, Braden Day, 20 carries, 185 yards, and two scores, 11 tackles on the defensive side, and a scoop and score as well. So Blanket takes out Gustine there, 60-51. to 51. Shall we talk about what's coming up in week three? Let, let's do it in some really good games out there. And uh, let me pull up the schedule of what I've got here. You know, a game that will be going on Thursday night that I think will be a good one, and it's one I'll have on the Happy Sports Network, uh, Spring Lake Earth and Happy um, – this should be interesting because we're going to find out just how good Spring Lake Earth is measured up in Region 1. Uh, Happy, also one of those favorites coming out of Region 1. If Earth dominates the Cowboys, it, the rest of Region 1 could be in trouble. I think that that's really going to be the test. We'll talk about this in a little bit, but, you know, Thursdays are fair game for where I go because it's not the main day. And I plan to be in Happy to watch that matchup. Well, I'm looking forward to having you there. (laughs) It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. If the pattern stays as it has, I take about 1,200 pictures a half. Is that all? Well, I have been to such good games that by halftime, I figure 1,200 is plenty. And I sit down and watch because I enjoy watching those, you know, six-man teams so much. That's awesome. Uh, you know, when you talk about big games, how'd you like to be Borden County? Now they got to play the Rankin Red Devils this week. Coach Richie's got to be going, okay, who, who made this schedule? Oh, yeah, I did. So uh, that'll be a tough one there for the Cowboys. Uh, another good game, Motley County and Spur. I think we're going to find out very quickly uh, how good the Bulldogs are in that ball game. Yes, I think you're right. Two very well-matched teams, of course, again, Motley County Division Two, Spur Division One. But sometimes the talent overshadows what division you're playing in. That's going to be a good test for Spur. Other games, uh, after, Richland Springs and Coolidge, that one's going on in Jonesboro on Thursday. Uh, that should be a good game as well. Uh, yes, I'm looking forward to that because, you know, Richland Springs uh, game was canceled this week. So they had a week off to prepare for Coolidge, and that's going to be interesting. One of the the games that I always, I don't know if everybody knows this, you know, all these little, all the small town, you know, 1A communities, they have all their traditions and things that they do. Well, I don't know how many of you know this, but Highland and Blackwell play every year, and they call it the Battle of the Bell. And, and, and so what is the bell? Just what you're thinking. You know, the bell you ring on the sidelines, you know, people usually haul it in with their, you know, it's a big bell. That's one I'm going to have to do a little research on. I have talked to Lehman Saunders about that before, but shoot, that was three or four years ago. So I forgot the story, but they say sell t-shirts. I mean, it's a wild time. 
it's a wild time and they play every year. They used to be in the same district and, and that's where it stems from. I do remember that. Um, I'll get the story on that and let you know. And by that time, we'll know who won the bell. Uh, looking forward to that one. Also, Gorman at Blum. Of course, Blum uh, fell into Waco Live Oak in week two. See if the Bobcats can bounce back there. And then our favorite school, although it's on the private school side, Smoking for Jesus gets Cherokee this week. Yes, Cherokee is definitely. And, you know, Cherokee Lamita, they were canceled as well. So they had a week off. Cherokee is going to be welcoming Smoking for Jesus in to Cherokee to play that game. <laughs> <laughs> so many things you can say there, and I'm just not going to touch any of them. But uh, oh, just, you should read the tweets. <laughs> the tweets asking smoking for Jesus with question marks. What it? What is that? <laughs> yeah, it was quite entertaining reading the tweets about that. But but turns out they actually have a very good story. No, oh, that is great. Well, before we get out of here, I want to talk about one thing, and I know you get asked this so much. How do you decide where you're going? Because I know you don't come to my school because you hate us, right? Isn't that how that works? Uh, no, actually, I will always remember happy because when I first started doing this back in 2015, my thoughts are, this is for the kids. I want to showcase the kids. So I wasn't even a, a thought in that. So I never told anybody who I was. I just said, oh, I'm Texas 1A fan. Well, what was it? Four years ago, I went to Happy and I'm lurking about on the sideline with my camera like I normally do. And I hear the announcer say, we are so glad that Texas 1A fan is here. We don't know her name, but we're glad she's here. And I just, I thought, well, Maybe I should tell people my real name instead of just Texas 1A fan. So, no, I don't hate happy at all, but I did laugh a lot. And I will never forget that happy announcer saying that. That was that was kind of a wake-up call. I was trying to hide in the grass, as one of my photographers says. Y'all wouldn't let me do that. So, so here I am. That, that's the the, uh, the great vocal chords of Rick Bloodworth, the PA announcer there in Happy. And I uh, always love it because he... Uh, invites fans to go to the world-famous Happy Cowboy concession stand. Now, what makes him world-famous, I'm not quite sure, but he always calls it world-famous. So He, he's, he uh, does. Yeah. I remember that, too. And you know what? I got some really fabulous hot chocolate at that world-famous concession stand <laughs> once. And most of the time, I don't have time to go to the concession stand. But every time I go to Happy, I go get hot chocolate because – it doesn't matter if I'm there at the beginning of September, something's always going to go wrong and it's going to be cold and happy. So on yeah. Thursday, I expect some kind of cold wind to blow in or something because that's usually what happens. Back to your original question. How do we decide? Um, we actually try to spread the love to all six man UIL 1A schools. We do have a spreadsheet. We keep up with it and we try to cover as many teams as we possibly can on Friday. I mean, everybody's, we have a team of about uh, six and we all cover a game or two or three. Uh, for example, this last week, I was in the game Thursday, Friday, and Saturday um, because I, you know, that's, I'd rather be doing that than anything, it seems. If you've got a game on a Thursday and it's close, I'm going because there's not 
really a lot of games on Thursday. So those, those are what we call fair game. If you play on a Thursday or Saturday and it's close, you're fair game. If we've covered you the previous week, that's fine. It's still fair game because we would rather cover a game than not cover a game just because we saw a team the week before. But Fridays, you know, we spread the love and we all look at our spreadsheet to see who we've covered and who we haven't and make sure that we get as many of those teams as we can. Now, again, there are six of us and there are many teams. I'm the spreadsheet queen, by the way. My friends will tell you that. They hate my spreadsheets. Dency absolutely hates my spreadsheets and uh, Lehman does too, but I force them to use them. How awful is that? That's why you called me a nerd, huh? Because I actually used a spreadsheet. You used a spreadsheet. So see, we're kindred <laughs> spirits. That's that's what we do. We use spreadsheets. <laughs> if we haven't covered you, we review what we did last year. And those that we couldn't get to last year, we put them as priority for this year. That way, even though there's just six of us, we're trying to cover as many as we possibly can because we believe that all of the kids deserve coverage, recognition, pictures, and um, in some cases, broadcasting. I agree with you. And, and you know, you talked about broadcasting. Uh, it, who all you got this week? Oh, let's see. Okay, it looks like uh, Stephen and Jonna. They are currently trying to get permissions to broadcast Moran at Rotan. And that's Rotan's homecoming this, year, this week. The Yellow Hammers. Yes, the Yellow Hammers. Michael and Dency on Friday, they're going to go cover the Battle of the Bell, Highland at Blackwell. And then Saturday, they're going to try to get to Trent at Rising Star. One thing I don't think the general public understands is that if we are broadcasting a game, we have to get permission from both schools to broadcast that game. And without those permissions, we aren't allowed to do that. Not so much for taking pictures. I do like to, to warn coaches that I'm going to show up. So it's not a big surprise. And, but yeah, so we're still trying to get permissions for all three of those games. Watch our website, 1afan.com. It's under the broadcast link. I keep that updated immediately as soon as we get permissions. And the one thing Bobby's not going to tell you is everybody that uh, quote unquote, I guess, works for supports, however you want to term it, Texas 1A fan. They're doing everything out of the goodness of their heart. Nobody's getting paid here. It's about taking care of the six-man communities, those 1A schools, getting the names out there and giving those kids some love. And that's exactly what Texas 1A fan does. So I'll, I'll put that out there. Bobby won't tell you that, but I, I'll tell you that all day long. That, that's something that most people don't realize. And you got to understand that that's what Texas 1A fan is there for. So, Bobby, that's going to wrap it up for us here this week. Uh, another great podcast. Great to have Coach Jones on. Some big games coming up in week three. Looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, coaches, get in your stats. Texas1AFan at gmail.com. We want to get your players out there. And, you know, we've got to come up with uh, some other names to go along with Bubba Digby over at Hermley. So. I, I hear you. I mean, that's a great name. That, <laughs> that is, is a great yeah. name. So uh, anyway, that's going to wrap it up for us here on the Backroads uh, Six-Man Scoreboard Show. It's a uh, part of the Backroads Podcast from Texas 1A Fan. Until next week, have a great week, and we'll see you then. Get those stats in, guys. And have a good short week at school, and we'll see you next week.